Reprogramming your mind comes down to thinking differently with enough consistency and enough emotion that you remap the neural networks in your brain to a new idea, a new thought pattern, which becomes a new state of being if used habitually enough. Welcome. You're listening to the Reprogram Your Mind podcast, and I'm your host, Todd L. Bowerly. You think between 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day. 98% of your life is controlled by habit. If you want to change your life, you have to start by changing how you think. think. When you change you, everything in life changes. If we can see it in our mind, we can hold it in our hand. Welcome back to the Reprogram Your Mind podcast. I am your host, Todd Bowerly, and this is going to be episode 14 of this incredible podcast. I can't believe it already. I am a coach. I work with people to help with their mindset so that they can be successful around the world. I help them think differently about themselves, about the world, about their opportunities, so they can take different action and change their life. And habit is a big part of any transformation. If you're going to reprogram your mind, you need to turn ideas into habits. And I have a couple of other habits that I want to share with you that, when put together into a daily routine, start to build and strengthen a positive mindset. In the last episode, I talked about the habit of gratitude. Finding the opportunity to write down 10 things that you're grateful for every single day, working to be emotionally involved with each of those different things, and finding some way to act in some kind of gratitude or generosity into the world. That vibration of gratitude moves you closer mentally and emotionally to the source from which all good things flow and from which all of your goals are going to come from and manifest from. So some of these other habits are also going to rely on building neural pathways on helping you think different. And a habit is really important to understand what it is. A habit is something that your mind or your body does with little to no conscious effort. And repetition, if you think back to the law of repetition episode several episodes ago, repetition helps strengthen an idea and get it into our mind, into our subconscious mind, thereby allowing us to act from someplace with little conscious thought to create a, a habit. Now it takes time to build some of these habits how long? Well, I know that there's a lot of people out there that want to say it takes 21 or 28 or 30 days or 35 days or whatever to build a habit. Different habits build quicker or slower with different people, depending on how susceptible you are to building that habit. The biggest thing with building a habit is consistency. If you start doing one of these practices and then stop, what you're actually strengthening is you're strengthening your quitting muscle more than anything. And what you want to be doing is strengthening the neural pathway to think in a new or different way, depending on the habit we're talking about. So I have five additional habits beyond gratitude that I want to share with you today that are going to be able to help you build that positive mindset. It's one of the keys that got me where I am. And so if you're listening and in the background you hear the waves or you hear the wind, I am still up in northern Michigan wrapping up my two-month-long vacation or lifestyle up here with my family. And being grateful definitely got me here, but also it was habit. It was consistency with activities that changed the way I was thinking that got me here. And these were all habits that I have used at different times through different levels of consistency to reprogram my mind. The irony of this lesson is I taught this lesson long before I ever hired my own coach, before I ever really studied the neuroscience of it. And I taught the lesson as a good idea for other people to do long before I did it myself. But now, years later, seven, eight years later, 
I am speaking from knowledge of having done these practices consistently and seeing the benefit of them. So some of these are really simple. And why don't we start with some of the really easy and simple ones. And I'm going to tell you, this first habit of service is super easy and simple. You want to live aligned with spiritual law, which essentially spiritual law says, if you want to increase life for yourself, you should increase life for other people. And one of the best ways to do that is service. Look, you get to forget about your problems and your challenges, and you get to help somebody else out. So I want you to try and find every single day an opportunity where you can help someone else's life become better in some larger, small way. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to move your neighbors in and out every single day. You, you don't have to cook a dinner for all of your neighbors. You don't have to give of yourself to such an extreme. There are very many small ways that we can act in service to help other people out. Sometimes just a smile and addressing the cashier checking you out at the grocery store by name and asking, how is your day going? Are you doing anything fun this weekend? Sometimes acknowledging another human being with that level helps lift their spirit up and you are sending off good energy. You are sending off good karma to other people and improving their lives, just enhancing it a little bit. Or what about this? This is another example I use all the time. What if you're driving, you're commuting every day to work and you get to that intersection where the lanes merge and instead of trying to cut the other person off, why don't you slow down and let someone else pass in front of you? doesn't take away any time. Maybe it makes their commute a little bit more positive. These are very infinitesimal ways that you can serve other people. And I want you to be consciously aware. I want to call this a conscious act of service. I want you to be looking and seeking for opportunities to help somebody else out more. Because when you're consciously aware and you're paying attention to it and you're doing it, you're doing it with that intention of positively affecting another person, that focus of awareness enhances the experience. It makes you feel better. Why? Well, hormones are released in your body that help you feel better, but it's also a shift in your energy. And I'm going to give you one of the silliest examples I had from my own existence. I was headed out to lunch, uh, a work meeting with somebody else. Well, someone who was another coach. And we were going to talk about collaborating or just meet and network and get to know each other. And I was going into the restaurant over lunch. And uh, it was it's the most chaotic parking lot, I think, in the town where I live. And there was this gigantic truck, extended bed, long cab truck backing up with like the smallest elderly couple in this truck that you could imagine. Um, the, the gentleman driving the car kept looking and checking his mirrors. So frequently he was backing out as slow as he possibly could. And he just, this guy just could not see over his truck. And so I walked up to him. I asked him to roll down his window and, uh, I said, do you want me to help talk you out of the parking spot? He said, yeah, sure. So I stood back there. And as I was telling him to back up, you've got three feet, you got two feet, you got about a foot, you're good. Something happened. Like I moved into this really powerful, positive energy because I was like, ah, this is my act of service. I was serving habitually and didn't even think of it, just trying to help other people out, leave everyone better than I found them. And then I paid conscious attention, attention to what I was doing. And the guy smiled and said, thank you. And his wife was all gushy. Oh, thank you, dear, or whatever it was that she said. 
And then they drove away. I've never seen them again. I went in and had my lunch, but I felt so fantastic in that moment. You are doing these things to help other people out. And as a byproduct of serving other people, you feel better about yourself, your mindset, your challenges, your problems. Just for that small instant, you feel that relief. Well, don't you want to feel that way all of the time? If so, form the habit of seeking out conscious acts of service just to help your fellow man. Why? Because you can and you're able to. The second habit I want to talk about today is journaling. Now, journaling is this age-old coaching and counseling or therapeutic technique. Journaling helps you feel better. Why? Well, you get your problems out on paper. You write down maybe a description of what's happening. You can think a little more clear because now it's not confused and it's in your mind. But I'll tell you what, most people are journaling the wrong way. I have at least one very specific method of journaling that can help you build a positive mindset. So listen to this. In the last episode, I talked about this study that was done comparing handwritten versus typing information. If you're typing information, you can build up to about um, 600 neural pathways typing something. But if you write it by hand, you can build up to 10,000 neural pathways. Now, reprogramming your mind comes down to thinking differently with enough consistency and enough emotion that you remap the neural networks in your brain to a new idea, a new uh, thought pattern, which becomes a new state of being if used habitually enough. Most of the time when people are journaling, they're journaling about things that are negative. So what's happening is you're actually reinforcing all of these negative ideas or the negative complaints and frustrations that you had about the day, you're, you're magnifying those. You're actually building a neural network to complain more, which actually has proven to show you that the more you complain, the more negative your mindset becomes. So what do we journal about? Instead, you should be journaling about positive experiences that you've had throughout the day. Like, if you could just write down one, two, or three wins of the day, every single day, here's what happens. You replay these events and circumstances in your mind over again. And your brain and your body, your subconscious mind, cannot tell the difference between what is happening right now and what is imagined. So if you've had a really good experience and you write it down, you're going to relive that experience. You're going to be thinking the same thoughts and you're going to experience those same positive emotions. And it's going to feel like that's happening again in that moment, which actually strengthens the construction of new neural pathways. You know, we replay in our mind over and over, unfortunately, negative experiences. We rehearse those in our mind over and over. Why not rehearse the positive things? Journaling about one, two, or three wins of the day or positive experiences helps your mind relive it and helps strengthen that neural network that good things happen. And that just helps you feel better. It releases the hormones in your mind, in your, in your body, in your brain. It elevates your mood. It builds those neural pathways. So at the end of the day, you just write down, you take a few moments and you write down a couple of things, just your, even just one win of the day is going to start to reprogram your mind so much quicker. Habit number three is not going to surprise you very much, but I want to talk about it in a different way. I want to talk about exercise. Now, this isn't about going out and having an exercise routine, working out for an hour every single day or going to the gym three out of five days or whatever it is. 
That's not what I'm talking about. If you have health goals and you want to be active and you want to get outside and exercise, that's fantastic. Go ahead and do those things. I want to talk about a different part of exercise, a different benefit. And actually, this kind of exercise you should do first thing in the morning. You know, when you wake up, your mind, your thinking is a little groggy. It's a little bit slow. And we need to wake your mind up. We need to wake up the organ of your mind, your brain. Now, your brain is not your mind, but it is the biological component that, uh, where most of your thinking and thought patterns happen. Well, what kind of food does your brain eat? To nourish the brain, you need oxygen. So if you get up in the morning and you try to increase your heart rate, even sustained increase your heart rate for five minutes, I'm talking about jumping jacks, like 25 jumping jacks every morning which might really win you when you get started. Or even going for a run or something, every single morning, it's gonna elevate your heart rate. When your heart rate elevates, what happens? You're breathing heavier. The blood is moving through your body faster and it's carrying oxygen to your body, but it's really oxygenating your brain. So if you do something to get your heart rate up and you get fresh oxygen to your brain first thing in the morning, you're going to wake up faster. You're going to think more clearly. You're going to think faster. And another byproduct of exercise is hydration. If you're going to go exercise, you're going to be breathing heavy and you're probably going to be thirsty. Your body is made up of mostly water and water communicates electromagnetic impulses or thoughts that you have in your brain that connect to the rest of your body hydration helps increase how those thoughts move through your body. So you need oxygen and you need water in your body first thing in the morning. Drink a gigantic glass of water and go do something to get your heart rate up. You're going to find that you feel better. Now, one of the ways that I learned about this, this habit was by Hal Elrod in the book, The Miracle Morning, which is fantastic. Most of the habits I'm talking about, you're going to find in the Miracle Morning. But he talks about being a success coach that was really struggling in the recession. He was not a very successful success coach, and he felt like a fraud. And so he had lost his job. He didn't have many clients. And he went to go speak with a mentor. And the mentor asked him, like after Hal finished complaining about all of his challenges, this mentor asked him, how's your exercise going? This outraged Hal. He was frustrated. He said, what are you talking about my exercise? Haven't you listened to all of these challenges that I've had? And his mentor says, well, you should know better. If you're not taking care of your body, if you're not waking up your mind, you're never going to be able to think creatively and find the solutions for the problems that you're suffering with. So the following day, Hal decided, I'm going to go for a run. Gets his running shoes out, which I don't think were running shoes because he wasn't very used to running, but... It was running the next day, following his mentor's advice to get out and get his heart rate up and moving, in which he had this idea, maybe I should study all the successful habits that people have. And I wonder if there's a super morning routine that I could do or find this, just the right ones that are going to impact me the best so that he can start his day off positively. He didn't plan to write a book about it. His experience of finding the best morning routines became the book. And it all started because a coach, a mentor told him, you need to exercise your body so that it feeds your brain and your mind what it needs to think clearly. Yet most of us wake up, stumble out of bed, get dressed, 
and we're out the door and on our way to work without really sufficiently waking up our mind. If you're finding yourself stuck mentally in mental ruts and patterns, five, 10, or 15 minutes of exercise to get your heart rate up every morning will do wonders to help you think differently and with a more positive mindset. Habit number four is study. Now, what do I mean by study? What I mean is getting new knowledge, expanding your awareness, learning something new every day, trying to focus just a little bit of time on consuming the knowledge of somebody else. There's so much knowledge out there. Study can be in the form of reading, of listening to things, listening to this podcast, for example, participating in an online course, watching some educational YouTube videos. There is so much knowledge out there that you can get. Now, what is it that you study? You can study anything. You can study something that's related to your particular field. If you were to dedicate one hour every workday, five days a week, 52 weeks a year, you're going to become an expert in your field in a relatively short period of time. In fact, if I even just do that math, that's 260 hours in a year's time where you're going to master and improve your craft. Do you think if you were more effective, more knowledgeable, more aware in your specific industry that you would be able to serve at a higher capacity? Do you think you would be able to solve problems better? Do you think that you would get the, the recognition from a supervisor or a boss around you to get a promotion? 100%. Dedicate yourself to becoming an expert in your field. And the only way you're going to do that is a study. Now, you could even just split that in half. And even just a half an hour of study is a lot more than most people are doing. Most people aren't doing anything. But I'll tell you one of the most important areas that you need to study, you need to study about you. You need to study about your mind, about how it works. You need to study about the power that you have as a spiritual being to create your world. You need to study about what emotions are and how they work how they cripple us, and how they can help us move forward. There is so much knowledge out there to help you live a better life. One of the biggest reasons people receive therapy or receive coaching is to get information. And there's so much out there. A lot of it is free as well. But I would encourage you to, you know, buy books and build a library, study them, get a highlighter, make notes, really take time to focus every single day, at least five out of seven days, and read some nonfiction personal growth book. I've got all kinds of books that I love myself. I keep mentioning them here on the podcast. I just finished another book, Living Untethered by Michael Singer, which was absolutely an incredible book. And I took my time digesting that book every day, reading one or two or three chapters to make sure that I really understood it. And I would reread some of those sections every day until I really started to understand where the author was coming from. If you do not put focused attention on discovering what you don't know, you're never going to grow. You're never going to change your results. You're never going to improve anything. The sphere of knowledge out there of what you don't know is always going to be bigger than the sphere of knowledge of what you do know. That's just a, that's just a natural phenomenon. And here's the problem. You don't know what you don't know. This is why learning from other people becomes important to have mentors, not just like this, not just like what I do, but mentors at work, mentors in your field. You can have mentors in every area of your life. 
Spiritually, we often seek out spiritual leaders as mentors. We might not call them mentors. We call them spiritual leaders or pastors or people that lead churches or that we study under. Okay, we have mentors in that field. We should have mentors in our relationships to help us improve our relationships. We have mentors in our own personal growth, mentors in money, mentors in career, maybe even mentors in recreation. One of my dear friends actually helped people that were newly walking into wealth for the first time. People would hire her to learn how to spend their money and enjoy their wealth. How about that for a job? Do something every day to expand your knowledge and your awareness, and you will start accelerating in every area of your life. But here's the other thing. You're going to start having this knowledge. You're going to start to feel more confident because you're growing your mind. You're making new neural connections. And you read this book, not just for token information. You read it to start impacting your life, to start integrating into your feelings and integrating in your behavior. And if you're reading something that's growing your mind in a positive way, doesn't it stand to make sense if you integrate that knowledge into your life? Your life is going to start moving in a more positive and uplifting direction. And what does it cost? It just costs time. All of this stuff is relatively free and it just costs time. And the more that you're able to focus on growing that knowledge and implementing it in your life, you're going to find yourself having a much more positive mindset, being much more excited, much more enthusiastic in moving forward towards your goals and your dreams. Make sure you study every day. Now, one of the most powerful habits that you can build in your life to reprogram your mind is meditation. Maybe that's why this one has come up last because it's one that's just the most powerful, I think, out of this entire list. It's the one that's changed my life most of all. Now, there's many different ways of meditating. I'm not going to tell you exactly which way that you should be meditating. I want you to experiment with a lot of different ways. There's mindfulness meditation where you just focus on your breath and observing your thoughts. And I think of it like this, sitting down in a train station, a subway station, and you see the trains zipping by. Those trains are your thoughts. And your job is just to watch them go past. Don't get on them. Don't get on the trains. Just sit there and watch them. And every once in a while, a really attractive thought zips by and all of a sudden you find that you're on that train. You're on that train of thought and you go, how the heck did I get here? I was, I was just sitting in the station. Your job is to get back off that train, sit down at the next station and observe your thoughts moving past us. That is really difficult for most people. Most people sit down to meditate and their mind gets really louder. Now you focus on your breathing and all of a sudden your mind goes, I wonder what we're having for dinner, <laughs> right? I should have said that thing in the meeting today. And I'm so angry at what my spouse said the other day. I'm so exhausted. I can't escape all the things I have to do in my life. Like your mind just starts going like crazy. The funny thing is your mind is always going like crazy, but you don't notice it because of how noisy the outside world is. You're so distracted by life that you haven't sat to watch what your mind is saying. And be careful. The story that your mind is telling you is attracting and creating the circumstances of your life. Don't you think if you want to tell yourself a different story, if you want to reprogram your mind, you better see what your mind is doing? Meditation allows you to observe those, those thoughts. And it's not always pleasant. You don't go into meditation to have a spiritual experience. You go into meditation to be quietly with your thoughts. And most people don't want to spend time with their thoughts. In fact, we spend so much time scrolling on TikTok, for example, being engaged in video games, watching movies, 
gambling, sex, pornography. There's so many things that we use to dull our mind because we can't stand the thought of being alone with our own thinking, our own thoughts. We're miserable inside our mind, so we distract ourselves from it. What meditation does is it helps us observe our thinking so we can then monitor the thoughts that we have. So we can start to examine, do I really want to be thinking that? Do I want to change my thinking? We become what we think about most of the time. And if we're unaware of what we're thinking about, there's no way that we're going to change it. However, meditation does bring some calmness and peace into our life. And meditation is, it's not running. It's not going for a jog and clearing out your mind or when you're driving on your commute, you kind of zone out a little bit. For me, when I mow the lawn at home, I get to zone out a little bit. And I sort of have this meditative quality in, that comes over my, my mind. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sitting there intentionally, not doing anything and spending time with your thoughts. That is true meditation. When you do that and you build that habit, it's going to start to positively affect your life. You're going to notice more calm, more equanimity come into your life. And as you're being more calm and more peaceful, this is what happens. And I think water is a great parable for this. When you allow life, circumstances, conditions around you to really affect your thinking all of the time, it's like the wind is blowing and the waves are huge. The wind, the conditions, the circumstances stir up your emotions, the emotions of your mind. And that's the water. And you get this storm rolling on the inside that has great power and force to it. Yesterday, we had five or six foot waves, huge white caps that were like 100 feet wide. And we went out swimming and it was a blast with my kids. But there's some power to that. There's some currents to that that if you're not careful, can suck you in. And it reshaped the entire beach overnight. It's amazing how powerful the wind and waves can be. It's amazing how powerful the wind of conditions and circumstances can be and how powerful our emotions can be if we're stirred up from the outside. Meditation is one way we can calm the winds in our lives to calm the water down. And you know what happens when the sun is shining and the, the waves are huge? The water looks like it does today behind me. If the sun is out, it's hitting the water and it's refracting into thousands of points of light. But have you ever seen pictures of water when it is dead calm and reflective? Now, Lake Michigan doesn't really get this way very much, but I think about mountain lakes when it acts like a mirror. And if the sun is shining, instead of a million points of light reflecting off of the surface of the water, there's just one source of light. If the sun is God or spirit in our lives, and if we're practicing meditating, calming the winds of our lives down, calming our emotions down, we more clearly reflect God in our lives or the universe or the source from which all blessings come from. We reflect that into our lives more and more. The second power of this equanimity or calming the wind and the surface of the water or our emotions in life comes down to our behavior and how we act. When we act with intention, it's like taking a rock and throwing it in the water. Now, if you are an emotional and chaotic mess and the winds of your life are blowing such a violent storm up and you throw the rock in, there's a splash and the next wave comes and all traces of that action are swept away by the next wave and the next gust of wind. However, if you are calm, if you are acting with intention and you're connected to the source from which all blessings come from, and then you take action, it's like throwing that rock into the 
crystal clear mountain stream. It makes a big splash with huge rings that go on forever. Your intentional action has more power when you act from a place of equanimity. So this is why meditation is so valuable. You, you get to monitor your thinking. You see what your thoughts are to see what you want to change. It can calm the wind and waves and storms, emotional storms of life down. It allows you to connect with a power greater than currently you see yourself to be, that power that's within you all of, all of the time. It allows you to act with power. Now, how do you meditate? Man, there are so many different ways to meditate. Like I said, there's mindfulness meditation, focus on your breathing. There's transcendental meditation. You can focus on mantras and have different experiences. One of my favorite gurus that teaches meditation is Dr. Joe Dispenza. He has some incredibly intense meditations that allow you to visualize your future and shift your subconscious programming. I mean, it's phenomenal work. I don't care what you do. Try to start meditating every day. Like whatever you do, whatever kind of meditation you do, try it five minutes a day or as long as you can sit still before you're going to go crazy. <laughs> and then sit down again and try it again the following day. Work yourself up to five or 10 or 15 minutes. It'll be the most powerful habit that you have every day. And you're going to want to look forward to it and doing it more and more because you're going to start to see benefits in your life. One of those benefits being building a more positive mindset. If you're trying to meditate, what I would recommend is I would, I would just go to YouTube and I would Google guided meditation uh, or meditation music. You can do either or. Just sit with the music. You could sit in silence if you want. But I feel like if you're a beginner, you need someone to hold your hand. So I would try some different guided meditations and allowing someone to walk you through that process. Um, another book that I'll put uh, a link in the show notes to is Mindfulness for Beginners by John Kabat-Zinn, which is just talking about mindfulness. And when you buy the book, you're, you're going to get five meditations with it. You're going to get an eating meditation there, which think about that, where he has you eat a raisin and really be mindful of that experience. It's an incredible meditation. If you don't know what you're doing, start with some guided meditations, just so you get your sea legs, just so you get used to what you're doing, so you don't get lost in it. Above all, with all of these habits, it takes time to start seeing an impact. Combined with gratitude that I talked about in the last podcast, these are six daily habits that are important. I don't want you to try to do them all immediately starting tomorrow. You're going to set yourself up to fail. Instead, pick one, maybe two that you're going to work on building and try to be consistent. Try to be consistent for 30 days in a row. And along the way, then you can add an additional habit. And you can work yourself up to having all six of these habits in your life every day. And when you do them all, a gratitude practice, exercise, meditation, some conscious act of service throughout the day, journaling and studying, you might only spend about 30 to 45 minutes doing all of these things. And even if you're really busy, you can get all of them done in 15 minutes. And done is better than perfect. And over time, over 30, 60, 90 days, you're going to come back and look at these habits and these experiences that you've had and say, I feel better now than I did when I started several months ago. I notice my thoughts more now than I did before I began meditation. I notice I am happier and more grateful now than before I kept a gratitude journal. You will notice these things, but you have to be consistent. Pick one and get started. That's your challenge 
after listening to this podcast today. Which habit are you going to choose? I promise as you stick to your new habit, you're going to notice your mindset becoming more positive. Your whole attitude is going to change. And that's one of those words that I don't think we really understand. Most of us don't really understand the power of our attitude and what that really means. So on the next episode of the podcast, I'm going to teach you exactly what attitude means and how having the right attitude, the aligned attitude with your goals and with your highest and best version of yourself can accelerate your accomplishment, your manifestation of all that you want in your life. Until then, please subscribe so you don't miss another episode of the Reprogram Your Mind podcast. Until next time, remember, we become what we think about, and so do you. Mm -hmm.